It's DTS 189, and we have Crimson Day feedback. The TWAB talks about faction rally changes and exotics getting more exotic-er. All that and more coming up. You're listening to Destiny The Show. What's good, everybody? Welcome to Destiny the Show, the Destiny News podcast that keeps you, the Guardian, ahead of the curve in the world of Destiny. I am BBK Dragoon. I am joined, as always, by my great co-host, Diddy. What is up, man? How are you doing? Doing very well. Uh, had a busy week last week, and this weekend, I tried a new recipe. I guess a new really recipe. recipe? But, uh, you know, fried pickles, right? Yes. Do you uh, like fried pickles? I've had them a handful of times, and yes, I, I think, do. I think they're the greatest appetizer in the world. Fight mm. me on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we don't have a fryer, and last time I tried to deep fry something, I learned <laughs> that uh, vegetable oil ignites <laughs> at 450 degrees, um, and then, <laughs> uh, so that's a whole nother story for another time, uh, but in the oven, you can just bake them, right? You just bread them like you normally do. You can bake them at uh, 450, 425 for 15 minutes, and yeah. they are delicious, and that's what I've been doing. First time we did it, of course... Uh, it was really smoking the apartment. We didn't have a window open and the fire alarms went off, of course, but mm, no yes. fire, just a lot of smoke and they were delicious. That sounds very good. Now, you know not to put water on a grease fire, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. <laughs> when that happened, when I learned that fateful lesson, uh, I I just I covered it and I picked up the whole thing and just moved it out to the balcony and set it on the ground <laughs> and it, it made a little burn ring on uh on the patio out there <laughs> but yes I, smother you know, a grease fire you smother it yeah i don't know about the carrying it through your apartment which has carpet flooring i had to be very careful but uh yeah i, don't I, needed, think I just needed protocol, to get the smoky i think i think taking it outside <laughs> was a risk i think you grab the baking soda and you smother that guy uh, yeah i kind of did both but it was just so smoky and it was just hot and i didn't want it in the kitchen so i just here, fire outside. <laughs> yes, fire outside. <laughs> oh, my <Good>. word. <laughs> Listeners, if you are making something with oil, do not take any advice from this program. We are not qualified individuals to give you tips on that. Ask your parents. Make sure you have a fire extinguisher. <laughs> yeah, that too. Because we didn't All have right, one at the time. Let's talk about the show this week because we had Crimson Days. We have the TWAB, which touched on exotic changes that Wysanuski and his team are working on, and Faction Rally stuff. It's not a really big show, but I look forward to talking especially about our Crimson Days feedback and also weighing in from listeners and hearing what they have to say about the event. Talking with some folks through Discord, I got sort of a tepid response, mainly, yeah, it was pretty fun, but, you know, nothing more than that. You know, it's just pretty fun to come back for a few days, but not really enough to yank you around the corner back into the game daily right. kind of a deal. So, yeah. Speaking of that Crimson Days feedback, Diddy, I want to pick your brain. We really haven't talked about what we've thought about it, you and I. Let's hit on the high points first. I think the reward system, the knockout list specifically, is probably the best reward system, I think, in a Destiny event to date. Your thoughts? I would agree, yeah. Being able to grind the levels, the milestones, the matches... Getting those Crimson Engrams and then the loot that you get from that not being an option in the next one that you get, having that lockout feature, 
was a really great implementation. I think it gave players uh, more of an opportunity to get every single piece of gear. Now, it was still a grind to get every piece of gear, right? Because they yeah. don't want to make it easy. You would have had to play quite a bit of quite a bit, right? Or, you yeah. know, got lucky. Uh, and it was just, you know, I really liked that feature. Please, mm-hmm. more of that. I was lucky and got the Exotic Sparrow to drop pretty early on within Ooh, my matches, nice. which was nice. I really enjoy that idea of the knockout list, especially when you can just peer into Eververse and see, okay, here's all the stuff for this particular event that I can look for. Not buy from Eververse, okay, no, 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 no. But actually just see, all right, this is what's on the table. Let's go play. And I know I'm not going to be getting any duplicate rewards. This was, however, a reminder for me that Destiny 2 feels like a pretty loot-starved game. Where's the killer rewards at? Where are they, Diddy? Because it just, I can't help but feeling meh about all these event rewards. They just all look like reskins to me. I mean, yeah. So the saturation of the cosmetic rewards from the events is, in my opinion, definitely a negative. I would have loved to see a Crimson Days exclusive hand cannon or sidearm or sniper rifle or something that, you know, is a limited time drop. You know, kind of like the original OG vanilla Destiny Queen's Wrath, those weapons, they didn't bring them back until maybe House of Wolves. And even then it was just an iteration or of this former self. You know, it's I want more limited time items. Right. And it's I don't know. I think I, we need less cosmetics and more unique weapons. It's an interesting reverse I really thought there would be armor sets associated with this, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Maybe some ornaments alongside of it. We we obviously have some pretty cool shaders that came about with this. You have the ornaments for the exotic weapons. I was talking mainly armor ornaments there. The emotes were great, but transmat effects and shaders and ghosts that pretty much look the same, I don't know. It just wasn't wasn't resonating enough with me to come back and play more Crimson Days for transparency's sake, I only played, I think, two days of Crimson Days, and then I was right back into Monster Hunter World, just because I'm enjoying that game so much right now. So are we getting to the point where we want to actually see some more Destiny, let's say Destiny 1 kind of, wow, what a great Legendary reward. Because the Legendaries in D2 definitely don't hit home with me like most of the Legendaries did in D1. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that sentiment. I mean, I want to be excited about a drop. I haven't had that in a really long time. You know, uh, the the last time I had a really exciting loot drop, it was in Warframe, right? I talked about it a few weeks ago. It was the Dread blueprint that I finally got on my, you know, new character, new player to the game. And in Destiny 2, I haven't had that really real excitement, except I guess from my first Orpheus rigs drop on the PlayStation. I was just... I heard about it, and when I finally got the Orpheus rigs, I was like, yes, this is awesome. I played a few public events. I was really excited to use those exotics. I don't use any other exotics in the game. That's that's the only one, in my opinion. But nothing else is really that level or that Galahorn level. We need that Galahorn level legendary or exotic weapon drop there. Yeah, I mean, unfair question. Do you remember your first legendary in D1? What was it? I do not. No. I do, Dr. Nope. You totally blew my point. Doc on it. I was going to say, <laughs> everybody remembers that first legendary. You said in Destiny D1. 2, right? No, I said D1. I think. D1? Okay, then I misheard yeah. you. So, D1, yes, I do remember. It was the zombie apocalypse heavy machine gun. RIP heavy yeah. machine guns. I want those back. 
but yeah, my first exotic in Destiny 1 was Crest of Alpha Lupi, chess piece for the hunter. Game type. Since you talked about exotics there for a moment, what did you think about the game type? I bring that up because the exotic Shinobu's Vow was something that I was seeing <laughs> all the time. Arcnades, oh wow. It was... I actually got Shinobu's Vow as a drop from one of my Crimson Days matches. Yeah. Or like, I got an exotic Angram that I decrypted it and it was Shinobu's Vow. And I hadn't had that before on the PC. And I was just thinking, man, it is so frustrating to play against the nade spam in this playlist. I wish I had Shinobu's Vow. <laughs> I want to join the ranks. And then I got it. And then I'm like, okay, guess I have to use Arc Strider now. And so I switched to Arc Strider. And of course, uh, I hadn't unlocked the whole subclass yet because I just play Night Stalker ever since I got the Orpheus rigs. <laughs> so I had to unlock the nodes. And then, man, being able to throw nades every five or six seconds is a lot of fun. It's super frustrating to play against, but it's a lot of fun when you get those mm -hmm. skills. Yeah. Warlocks are not without blame either. I may be frustrated <laughs> here with the Shinobu hunters, but oh my gosh, the Arc Soul Lightning Warlocks. It's just Arc Soul, Arc Soul, Arc Soul, and then the Lightning Nades. Just <laughs> it, it was throwing matches between two sets of people hugging one another, throwing grenades. <laughs> I had fun. I think the game type maybe would benefit, honestly, from a perk that awards flanking, that awards maybe not huddling up too closely. I know thematically it makes more sense to huddle up close, and I don't want to get too crazy in depth criticizing what is a pretty one-off event, right? I don't think they meant for players to really think much about it, just to go have fun and spam abilities. But I did reach a fatigue point where I was like, I'm, I'm done just throwing nades around the corner, waiting for them <laughs> to throw nades around the corner. And then collapse in on that one person. Even though you had that, was it the vengeance buff or whatever? Mm -hmm. Right. The two guys, especially if they're close together and having abilities continually up, you're not going to be winning many 1v2s in that playlist. Yeah, I definitely do agree with the the thematic part of, oh, you need to be close to your teammate, right? It's Crimson Days. It's all about your partner. And the the frustrating thing was the opposite side of that. When you were away from them, you got a waypoint above your head for the enemy team to find you. Yes. One of the frustrations, right? I I want to say I did have fun with the playlist. It was fun just throwing nades because I'd like to throw grenades all the time. But one of the main frustrations I had was when I would spawn across the map for my teammate. There's a there is a debuff, <laughs> right? There is there is there is a window of when the waypoint is not active, you know, for me to run across the map to uh, you know, get to my teammate, but after about 5 or 6 seconds after that passes by, right? If my teammate goes down, waypoint above my head until my teammate spawns and it's just i don't know it seems a little unfair but of course thematically it, it makes a little bit more sense in the playlist by the way the what burning if... shrine remake i loved it i thought it was really great yeah i did too no bright sun i i think it was a nice addition to their remakes i'd love mm -hmm. to see some more original maps you know I, I don't know if burning shrine shores of time were designed with <laughs> destiny 2 balance in mind and I don't have a great argument for or against it, but I'd love to see maybe some more originals in there. The question I want to ask, is this a good enough event to bring back lapsed players? Obviously, by the time people are listening, it's kind of over. But I would say no. I think it was a fun one-off, but Bungie needs to nail the upcoming Sandbox update, upcoming Nightfall scoring update, Expansion 2, all of that in a row with no hiccups, I think, 
before you can start thinking about bringing back those lapsed players. And we're talking like people who don't really watch YouTube all that much. Most of the folks who probably bought and put it down within a month or two. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I think I think you're right. There, Bungie's reliability or reputation is not great right now in terms of Destiny updates. And if, like you said, if they nail the next three or four updates in a row with no major hiccups, I think then we can start to be excited about new content, right? Because... I'm going to, again, agree with you here. I don't think Crimson Days was enough to bring players back. And that was probably not the intent, right? It was just Mm -hmm. a nice event for current players, people who are still playing the game. And it's nice for you and I who, you know, we we take these little breaks, uh, play play other great games out right now, and then come back to Destiny for some nice little bit of fresh new content for for a couple days and then put it down again to, you know, play the expansive universe of other games that are out there right now. And I thought it was really nice for, for a few days. But, you know, then I was at another game after that. Yep. Well, we'd love to hear what our listeners have to think about Crimson Days. Throw us some feedback in our Discord, discord.me slash Destiny the Show, or send us a tweet over at Destiny the Show. Diddy Hotfix came and went. What did they do with this hotfix, and how does it relate to the upcoming faction rally? Yeah, so this hotfix was 1.1.2.1. It came out last week on February 13th. This was in preparation for the new faction rallies, which, of course, is coming uh, uh, in the next week or two, February 20th. We'll get to that in just a second in the TWAB uh, this week, actually. And they removed the Lost Sector's throttles that they introduced in the previous faction rally. So uh, players may now, I'm quoting in the article here, players may now open a Lost Sector chest once per boss defeated. There you go. Yep. Yeah, you're not going to be farming Lost Sectors anymore, it sounds like. So the throttle is gone, but now you beat the Ultra of the Lost Sector, you collect the reward, and that's it, I'm assuming, for the duration of that particular faction rally event you can still go to public events you can still go to strikes and pvp but it doesn't look like they want you rinse repeating lost sectors anymore yeah yeah they, so. they probably say you see a statistic for what event is completed during the faction rally to get those tokens and you know lost sectors were just a huge majority right and so they're they're kind of making it even across the planes now all right challenge accepted community find another cheese <laughs> do will. it it'll they take will. a day they less will. than a day that's right. It'll just be another area of the, of the game that they're like, oh, yeah, you can get a token for every six minutes here. And uh, that's great for me. Now we're just going to do it 18 times. You multiply by this. You use this weapon here and the frame rate adjusted on the PC. And boom, <laughs> 60 billion tokens right there. I don't know what I think of this change. What do you think of the change? Do you care? I mean, any anything to really even out the reward ratio to the time invested in that event to get the reward i think you know someone who didn't do lost sectors 1800 times in a week to get the faction rally tokens uh would feel um that their time was more worthwhile you know yep yep couple or three new weapons added to the reward pool like they were talking about right you've got the dead orbit linear fusion future war cult hand cannon and the new monarchy scout and the weapons at the end of the event for the winners will be New Monarchy for a Pulse, Dead Orbit Pulse, and Future War Cult Scout Rifle. Threw me for a loop there. Who's yeah, winning this one? Did he place your bets? When I, 
I don't think Vijay Borkholt's going to win one. Uh, I don't. With this reward, I don't think so. It's got to be a really... Well, I do have a future Warcult scout right now that's actually really good, like Mida tier good. Yeah. But, uh, nah, I think I think Dead Orbit's going to win. Because just from the picture, the Dead Orbit Pulse Rifle looks like the Lincoln Green. And that is the Grasp of Malak tier of Pulse Rifle. Fastest fire rate, lowest impact. So maybe I think that's going to be the one to win recoil that pulls horizontally right <laughs> yes i reviewed that back in the console <laughs> days and it was like uh with the right setup there are some people who swear by lincoln green and who love it and i've enjoyed it from time to time it's just go to a wall let the thing rip don't control the recoil at all and just check it out that thing pulls so hard to the right i can't remember any destiny one gun that pulled that hard like directly <laughs> to the right so we had wisenewski step into the picture to talk about the exotic sandbox update that they're working on couple of the highlights that i'll paraphrase here obviously they want to make some of the underused exotics more used more prevalent and more exotic er and in order to do that they're focusing on leaning into the exotics play style currently like it's it's current branch or perk and pushing that further instead of a broad buff to all of the exotics that would distinguish the unique identity of each one of them so you wouldn't just across the board say, all right, every exotic now deals 15% more damage. They're going to be looking at specifically the perk set alongside of those weapons and say, what can we do to enhance the unique identity of this and make it more exotic? The example that they used was the Graviton Lance, which did he, do you want to mention what they're planning on doing here? Yeah, absolutely. They briefly touched on a few of the improvements that they've made to the Graviton Lance. Obviously, this was a, a more hyped reward or weapon, and it fell short of its expectation on launch. So the improvements that they're thinking about making or have already made uh, that will, they'll introduce later on, they reduced the recoil of the burst, they're going to add some aim assist there, and they're going to change the burst to two rounds. Now mm-hmm. the Graviton Lance, of course, the third bullet in the burst um, originally is the one that deals the, mo- the more damage, right? They're changing it to two bursts there and they're doing the ragdoll effect that now floats back and up on the enemy of course and this will help equal a bigger explosion increased damage and they've added void projectiles that seek out remaining targets so think of like an axiom bolt um, effect to that to that pulse and i think that's that's really unique right that takes the exotic perk of the graviton lance and makes it better right it makes it more specific and i think that's going to be really nice to see i almost think it sounds like a mini nova bomb right with the little seeker nova bombs that's that's what the picture i get which is really cool and i like this idea quite a bit across the board um at the time of writing this wisenewski says the weapons that are not getting an update are merciless telesto ward cliff coil mida multi-tool colony Legend of Acrius and Vigilance Wing. Now, do note when he's talking about that, he inferred that Vigilance Wing already has good usage statistics mm-hmm. and that it will be seeing changes due to the overall balance update that will be coming to the game as well. So if, <laughs> excuse me, you're using a pulse rifle, maybe pulse rifles across the board are going to see a buff. So they might not need to touch some of these certain weapons within here 
knowing the sandbox, sandbox stuff that they're having to work and test around with. I can't help but feel I want a world ditty where there are PvE perks and PvP perks because if you have a world where you can go absolutely bonkers with your weapons and making them the most exotic, coolest destiny mysticism ever and not have to worry about how they're balanced in PvP, I think you improve the game. I think the sooner Bungie recognizes we can split the two spaces, I know it's a huge pillar of them that your guardian is your guardian regardless of where you go. I I think there's a happy middle ground where PvE perks on exotics <clears throat> are insane, yet you don't have to worry about it becoming a balance issue in PvP. You just don't let that perk become active or whatever in PvP. Yep, agreed, 100%. I mean, balance... PvE and PvP different, right? Everyone's been saying that forever, right? Since the inception of Destiny, right? And I'm really happy that they're taking this approach to all the exotics, and that approach is the, you know, increasing the power and the utility of all the exotics, as opposed to, okay, this exotic is used in 60% of games. I'm going to bring that down. No, no, no. They're, they're, they're looking at bringing all the other stuff up to a similar level and i really like that approach now of course uh in practice we'll see how it works and i uh, can't wait to see the numbers on some of these things absolutely yeah and what i'm mentioning too is probably a logistical nightmare and <laughs> it's quite easy for me to say just do it without knowing all of the technical framework behind what makes destiny actually tick but just know it's a sentiment i think like you said diddy a lot of people have said since the early days of destiny one let the PvE go nuts and let some of these not be active in PvP so you don't have to worry about how X affects Y. You know, World of Warcraft for the longest time had to skirt that balance between your talent trees. Things that are geared to make raiding a better experience but that could be abused in PvP or vice versa. And they finally just made an entire tree for PvP only. Now that's different in Destiny because the gear aspect, but I throw it into the argument because I mean reasons. Yeah, that just made me remember of one of the first changes they made PvE versus PvP-wise in Destiny 1 when they buffed shotguns against non-Guardian combatants by 200%. Yeah. Lorker Zero, friend of the show, and I, we just ran around the strikes with Universal Remote and a secondary shotgun, double shotguns in PvE, and it was the most fun I ever had. It was awesome. I want that level of fun again in PvE. So that's all the main news coming down the, the pipeline for this week in Destiny, but we've had a email from a listener of the show that we've been putting off now for almost a month because it's almost February 24th, which is crazy, and we wanted to answer that here on the program. This comes from Mindser23, and he says, Hey, BBK and Diddy, first off, love the show. Thank you, sir. Much appreciated. It definitely keeps me ahead of the curve of the world of Destiny. I was listening to your most recent podcast, and I enjoyed it, as I always do. However... um. With all the negativity surrounding Bungie and D2 currently, I thought it would be interesting to look back and listen to some of the earlier podcasts, like the one leading up to the beta, number 158, talking about the Destiny 2 beta. And man, I could hear it in your voices and commentary. You were fanboys of the game and the franchise just like I was. With all the excitement and giddiness exuding with every mention of the awesomeness to come with Destiny 2. We were all at that time so ready to love Destiny 2 and everything about it. New maps, new modes, new content, new ways to experience those experiences. Bungie had everyone primed and ready to love their game. 
It was a formula for success that doesn't get any easier to execute. The question I have is how did they just let all that slip away with minimal effort put in to get us 100% back? Mind-boggling. Well, I think that I rambled enough. Keep up the good work. Peace, Mindser23. Thank you, Mindser, for all the compliments. It is much appreciated. He is a titan. No titan love on this show. Diddy and I are a warlock and hunter. <laughs> but I love titan in D1, so there you go. All right, Diddy. So I think to sum it up, there was a ton of hype coming into Destiny 2. They seemed like Bungie had all the momentum in the world. How did it go wrong? And uh, I want to hear your response first, because I'm probably going to be more argumentative with Meinzer's <laughs> question. I think, man, leading up to Destiny 2 launch, it's kind of hard to think back now, right? Knowing all that we know now, it's kind of hard to think of all the hype that was leading up, like towards the end of the summer, right? Yes. And that's the issue, right? It's It's getting lost in the hype and not being able to set an expectation appropriately on both the community and Bungie side, I think. I think the marketing of Destiny 2 was far and away a huge success, right? And wait, wait for my thought to finish on this before, before we start talking about that. I think the marketing really sold this game and everyone bought it on the marketing and the hype and it did not live up to its expectations, right? I think the marketing saw the game and said, man, I need to make this game sound awesome so that I can do my job and I can get my paycheck. And then they did a really great job, so everyone bought the game because Age of Triumph, right? That was the high of Destiny, right? It was so great. It was such a great time to play Destiny, to get into Destiny, to learn the universe. And man, it... Uh, that expectation was not met. And I think that's really where, you know, the execution of Destiny 2 launch is where, you know, everything just fell apart. I'll highlight a sentence that stood out at the end of your question. I'm going to kind of be unfair here and just be ultra critical, Mindser. When you say it was a formula for success that doesn't get any easier to execute. With expectations come an exceptional amount of pressure. Now, I think there's two sides of the coin here. If Bungie were to go in a risk-free manner, an expansion like the Taken King that preserved most of the content from Destiny 1, yet brought with it the tried-and-true pillars of what the Taken King success was, right? We've got new activities, lots of new gear, um, new story to pursue, as well as like a new raid, but doesn't completely invalidate all of the previous experiences. I think that safe route, D2 would have enjoyed much more success. It would have carried with it a lot of the baggage and the problems that Destiny 1 had, but I think as a community, we would have ended up being happier. In order for something like a game on this scale to succeed, there is an immense amount that has to go correctly. So I don't think it was that easy for them to execute, right? I don't think it's a formula for success that you couldn't go wrong with, kind of like what you phrased. I think you very easily could go wrong. And I'm not defending Bungie in this because, honestly, I don't understand a lot of the design decisions that they made with Destiny 2. It seems like a lot of the regular players of the game kind of scratch their head at Bungie and go, you know, you guys spent the first three years really figuring this out. You finally were getting it, and it feels like you threw it all the way with the launch of Destiny 2, and we're starting over again instead of using those lessons learned from the past. So 
all I can think of is struggles internally with Bungie at a management level. If you've ever worked on a big creative project and there's hundreds of people at Bungie, I've never worked on a project with hundreds of people, dozens, but never hundreds. Right. If the management isn't a well-oiled machine and that leadership isn't driving the crew towards the right objectives and directions, I think you have what happens with Destiny 2 where <laughs> D2, first 35 hours, I thought was a fantastic game. But Destiny is not one of those games that you just play for 30 hours and put down. Mm -mm. It's an investment game. It's a lifestyle game. It's a game that Activision wants you engaging with day in, day out, week after week, because then you're more likely to purchase into the expansions and support the franchise through microtransactions. Your I, thoughts, think, I think on the note of um, the formula for success, right? I think the issue, one of the issues was Bungie internally, right? They had this, the word sequel. Destiny 2 is yeah. a sequel, not an expansion, mm -hmm. not DLC. It's a full sequel. I think that got into too many people's heads and they tried to make it something new while keeping, you know, the same universe and everything and they i don't think they should have done that this time around right it's it's really easy to say it should have just been another expansion to destiny right they shouldn't have done a full sequel because with the sequel the notion of a sequel it comes with the 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 reworks the, the reboots all that kind of other things whereas an expansion would just you know build on the existing foundation and so i think what really killed it was the notion that it was a full sequel and not just another expansion. And didn't have the content to justify a sequel had right. less than what we were previously playing. Imagine if World of Warcraft 2 got announced and that's coming out next year. The expectations for WoW 2 are would be unreal, would be ridiculous. Like you would have to think of Half this Life game. Half-Life 3 is a exactly. real-world example of that. Like there's there was so much hype behind that. And they're, they're just like, anything we do is not going to live up to an expectation. So Well, and imagine if WoW 2 came out with less content than what people are playing now yeah. in WoW 1. You're ultimately going to be like, why didn't you just make this an expansion? It's a really tricky task to be like, okay, throw away everything we made in D1 over these last three years. We now need to release the sequel. The expectations are higher than what people were currently playing, which was the Age of Triumph era. And that just... It, even if Bungie nailed every aspect of it, those are going to be hard expectations to, to land. And they, they did not. <laughs> it's like I said, they, they forgot a lesson, a lot of the lessons from the first three years, it seems the like. Community, so. The community expected a sequel because Bungie sold us a sequel and yeah. it feels like an expansion. And that's where the miscommunication is. That's where the expectation did not meet reality. If we were expecting a DLC, I think it would have gone over better than what we have now. I have to wonder, too, if D1 released on pc i would likely still play it honestly i think i would still probably play d1 from maybe not i mean it'd be we'd run out of momentum at this point because we played destiny one a ton right but i just throw that into the mix it's a good question though i appreciate that he sent that to us and yeah it stirs up a lot of thought and discussion for sure with all that said diddy i think we wrap the show up there where can people find your content 
twitter.com slash diddy dts d-i-t-t-y-d-t-s and youtube.com slash whooshness w-o-o-o-s-h-n-e-s-s follow us on twitter at destiny the show you can follow me on youtube and twitter and twitch at bbk dragoon thank you very much for listening guardians have a great week and we will talk with you next time Thank you.